episode 99 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about 9-9 games. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about 9 different games that have the number 9 in the title. Some are card games, some are sports themed, some have the 9 in the subtitle, but we've got a variety of different games to go through. So, without further ado, I'll turn it over to Aaron and myself talking about 9-9 games. Take one down, pass it around. Oh, 99. Yeah. You know what? That was, that was all right. 99 games on the shelf. What? How does that actually start? Oh, it would just be 99 board games yeah. on the shelf. But I thought... 99 games I, I, on the shelf. You I, take one down, you pass it around. I got it. I not being able to think of a clever way to refer to the board games, just skip the first line. Yeah, you'd have to say, like, so many great games on the shelf. Amazing right. games to play. Bum, take one down, pass bum, it around. The point that we're getting to is that this is the 99th episode. You don't see, you see a lot of 100th episodes, and we had talked about, oh, special thing we're going to do for the 100. And I think we figured it out now, but it's not that special. It's just something we already had recorded. But you don't hear a ton of 99. You don't hear a ton of 101. But every number, this is a, a bit of a, you know, live in the present. DM the carpe. Sure. 99 is just as good as 100. And 98 and 101 to celebrate 99 we're doing nine nine games what i mean by that is nine different board game titles nine different board games that all have nine in the title of the game somehow we were gonna do 99 nine games no but we no we have day jobs <laughs> no we weren't we're still trying to play through everything in our collection and it's difficult even if i didn't have a day job even if this was it no i'm not the brothers murph i'm not doing that kind of madness and now that one of them has a kid they don't either here are the nine nine games that we we didn't play all of them just now we've played at least some of all of them the crew the quest for planet nine how we Sol- got that one in there solid intro number nine that one bang on gravwell escape from the ninth dimension play nine 99 the nine domains nine men's morris bottom of the ninth and nine tiles most of them do just have nine some there's some ninth in there as well not all of them thematically have anything nine going on like the crew and gravwell i mean there you could ne- you could never know there you, are nines in those games Play 9 is a golf kind of game. Uh, 99 is just as you're adding to the number 99. So that is in there. Nine Domains, sure. Um, nine Men's Morris, sure. Bottom of the ninth is referring to baseball. It was excellent. And then Nine Tiles is literally, that is Nine Tiles. Shifting Stones to that end could also be called... Are, are there 12 in Shifting Stones? You don't remember, do you? Not at all. No, it's okay. We're going to start off by talking about the games that we both own and have played the most of, and that's The Crew, again, Quest for Planet Nine, Number Nine, and Gravwell, Escape from the Ninth Dimension. Of those nines, which is your favorite nine of those three? The Crew. The Crew is your favorite yeah, nine? Yeah, The Crew. Now, we're not talking about mission deep sea it doesn't matter it's still really good the second best crew and i think in your estimation is still better than either of those other nine games well but also like the number nine it's a an honorable mention it's an excellent game but i i just like trick-taking games so much sure i think especially cooperative ones what i like about number nine more than acropolis which they are not the same game except for the fact that you are getting tiles and stacking them and then scoring points. I like how a number nine 
the exponential increase in your points feels appropriate as you stack higher and it becomes more difficult. There's nothing in Acropolis, which just, it's on BGA now. There's nothing in Acropolis that says that you should stack them super high but it feels like you should, and it's not as rewarding as I want it to be. So I like number nine for that reason. Gravwell, I think, is a game that should be like at Target. I think more people should know about Gravwell. It's a little tricky to understand like the movement rules, but once you have them down, the way that the rubber banding is inherently in the mechanism of the game is just delightful. It keeps you into the game because even if you're super far behind, that makes it very easy to catch back up. And if you slingshot yourself too far ahead, it's hard to move at all. In Gravwell, you're trying to escape this black hole and you're using the other ships to kind of like pull them and get momentum. And all of your movement, instead of it being like a roll and move or flip and move, they're cards that you're playing that have numbers on them. Instead of all of that movement just being like, yeah, just move it a set number of spaces, your movement's always relative to the things around you. So it's relative to the gravity pull. So you get into some weird edge cases where you have to look like, oh, wait, now it's tied. Now, which thing has more stuff on which side? And that's not the friendliest kind of thing. But I feel like once you get into it, it makes the entire game more exciting. You don't kind of have that feeling of, oh, well, I've, I've sort of lost this. I'm just going to hang out. You have the ability to like pull people back towards you, which can completely change the way that their card plays. And it can, cro- it can cause these huge upsets that can still also be reversed. And I think I just don't see that in a lot of games. I think there's a, a class of games that Gravwell fits into where if you are gamers such as ourselves, where mm. we're not like the heaviest gamers in the world, but we'll play pretty much anything. Yeah, we're, abo- we're on the other side of average there. Like, and you think, oh, so like you think fondly back at Gravel and you're like, oh, it's a light family weight game. And then you start thinking, well, there's card drafting mechanics in it and there's kind of a not clear motion things in it. It's very contingent on order of operations. You're like, oh, that's a, that's a heavy game. That's, it's not like, it's a a strong medium weight game that the theming has made seem very accessible. That weight thing is so relative. I was trying to vote for the uh, BGG awards because you can like nominate, everybody gets to just nominate whatever they want. And then of course ends up being a popularity contest because the things that get the most nominations end up being the nominees. And then people like, once again, vote on those things. But that idea of weight, they have a light, medium and heavy weight thing. There's so many different ways to look at it. And you could look at one game and say, well, it's light in this way and it's heavy in this way. And it's completely valid for any individual to approach that and be like, well, this is a heavy game for me. This is a light game for me. It's a somewhat meaningless designation at all. And I think that sometimes what makes something heavy is just what the rule book is or is not willing to tell you. I was listening to Rado talk about some things and he'll really just go not just into left field. He will leave the stadium and head to the nearest left coast like he'll go all the way outside but he was expressing frustration at like some game rule books and game makers think that the discovery of the game is like kind of understanding how to how to play it like they give you rules almost the way you would give rules in a logic puzzle and then you're meant to read the rules and then see the pieces and play the game and kind of logic out these other overarching truths about 
how all those things come together. I, I like this as well. I know you do. It is people like you. I think you are a pretty average, typical person in this hobby, which is why then, as average, typical people in this hobby, they don't see any issue with it. But if you fall outside of that, it's very frustrating. I think if your game... I, I understand that people may want that discovery. I think there should be an optional supplement for people who don't want that discovery. And I think sometimes it's used as a crutch when the game really isn't good right. after five plays. Well, I'm just going to not exactly tell you everything. And then you'll have to keep playing it to find out. And then you'll have the impression that this game had replay value when it didn't. I'm going on that whole rant to say sometimes things like Gravwell, I think, are made harder because of how they end up being explained. I think the rule book in there is fine. I don't remember there being an issue with it, but I think that's a lot of times what can make more of a gap between light or heavy games as they're often described. It's just how learnable is it? How understandable are its mechanisms? And once you understand them, is it actually still enjoyable to play? Right. Or is it kind of like, I don't know, this puzzles, like I put together the puzzle. Some people like putting together the same jigsaw puzzle over and over. Some do not. I think it's it's. I think it would fall in the category of playable after you learn it. I will say before oh, yeah. we move on to the the lesser nines that you should. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, we don't play them as much. Well, or we play them only once. They're new to us. Yeah. They're newer to us. The other nines. We purchased the expansion at Gen Con last year. It has some. Wait. Eight, the expansion for Gravwell. It's not so much the expansion; it's the I, new yes. edition. It's the but new edition. It does have asymmetric powers and yes. better ships and components, and it's worth it if you find it. Yes, there is more in the new edition. I was a hundred percent confused and about to tell you how wrong you were, but that is correct. There is more in there, and I think it plays more people. Yeah, I think you can play six instead of four. Our original one, the ship was always broken. I don't know that the ship is more sturdy because they come on these little like plastic stands, yeah. but they are. Uh, each ship is actually unique now instead of just being different a, colors. I think it's called a plinth, which is one of oh. my new favorite words. I, I don't know if that's a plinth. I know what a plinth is. I is think that also like a is column? a plinth. Yeah, like a column that you stand thing that you you know. I don't know if those are also called plinths. They're like many plinths. Okay, we're gonna get you away from saying that word over and over and move on to play nine. We played it on tabletop simulator because I had the idea to do this. And then it was sort of about how are we going to source these games that have nine in them? And I was trying to go for nine in the title, not just things that maybe had. This is the exactly golfing nine. one, right? This is the golfing one. It was a golfing card game. I don't know how findable it is. It does not seem new. I didn't try to like see if I could get a copy shipped. But there are cards from zero to 12, yes. I think. Um, I don't know how many people it goes up to that you can play. We were just playing the two of us. and It you, seems unlimited as long as you have enough card sets. Well. Like everyone's just playing a hole. Yeah, that's true. Like, like you just put dots. like a golf just, tournament. You, you can just have as put, many people at a golf tournament as you want. Right, more and more decks together. Yeah, I suppose so. So you put six cards in front of you, face down. I think it's eight, but now who doesn't matter. Is it eight? It is. It's four rows. Oh, it is eight. Okay. You put eight cards in front of you face down. Really, this is just to get a rough mind visual. I, I know. I almost didn't. As we continue. Anything. And you, they're all face down, but you flip over two of them, whichever ones you want. It totally doesn't matter. They are laid out in two rows of four. And that's important because the scoring pairs the columns. So Correct. you kind of have these four scoring lanes across these eight total cards. You know, did you ever flip over the top and bottom of one lane? No. I didn't either. 
I don't know how much it really matters. I, I guess I, because you were trying to see if you you're could... trying to match. So you're the trying score, to match. You're them. trying to get the lowest score possible. The yeah. numbers are from zero to twelve. A couple yeah. of the cards have powers. Do the cards have powers? Yeah, I thought the like a five is negative. Uh, oh, there's a negative five. Yeah, there's a negative five. You know, we did. You said zero to twelve, but there's a negative there's five. A negative five. If you paired the same number, like let's say you have a twelve, that's obviously bad. You don't want twelve in golf. You want the lowest score. But if the if the column if the card in the same column as the twelve is also a twelve. It negates, and you count zero for that. If yeah. you get four twelves, you yeah. get a negative if you ten. You get them bonus. in matching pairs, so not yeah. four twelves across the top, but they have to be top bottom, top two bottom, yeah. top bottom matching pairs. Yeah, yeah, which is it's really difficult it's, to do. I don't think we did it at we all. We did not. We didn't finish the whole game, but we did not. But yeah, so I I think getting starting with separate columns just gives you more information as to maybe get these double pairs. So you, if you were to pick up, yeah. you know, say you know that you need a five and a six, but now we draw a five you or a play, six. You win. You draw a card, you look at it, and you decide whether you're going to replace one of your face-up cards or one of your face-down cards. If you replace a face-down card, you select where that card goes before ever looking at what the face-down card is. But you do discard it face-up. And on your turn always, and then this means on your opponent's turn following you, they can take the discarded face-up card, or they can kind of press their luck, so to speak, on what is face down on top of the deck and draw yeah. that instead. You just do that every, once you've revealed all eight cards by either replacing them. I, can you, what's, what was the thing about like, you can just choose to not take the card and just flip one over? Is that yeah. right? Uh -huh. Yeah, you can just choose to not take the card that you picked up and flip one over, which I think you would only do from the deck. Once all the cards are face up, the hole is complete. Mm -hmm. You score the hole, negatives or bonuses, however the those get applied and then you play nine i think we played three four, four yeah we played ish. four it was fine it wasn't super it was very repetitive and you can play it pretty fast and it might be even faster in person i don't know tts is still pretty fast for drawing and discarding yeah. a card but it was kind of we didn't have to shuffle i think it's faster on tts it might be there are some games where if you're all sitting around a table kind of catching up and playing a card game, it just gives you like a little bit of activity to fill the lulls in conversation. It is not the best game for, hey, we need to play nine games with the word nine in the title before we record this episode. It's not the best one for that, no. And it was like, there's a little bit of fun and excitement in the, in the random luck that you get. There is not a lot of strategy. I don't know how many of each number was actually in the deck. You would think four. Is it, do you have to get all of them, or you no? There's, like there, there's a bonus. There, there's got to be at least six. There's a bonus for getting three columns of one. It's minus thirty. Oh right. So there must be six of everything in the deck. Yeah, and then you're gonna see. I mean, you're not gonna see a very big portion of those cards. Well, the deck was. I think it might be even more. There's 104 cards in the deck. I'm not prepared to do that math. It was okay, but it's certain. It's not. It wouldn't get like a recommendation for me. I think it its best thing is its similarity to the real life game it's trying to like trying to duplicate. I think it's very possible if I took you to play nine holes of golf, we'd stop after four. Oh, so you're saying that thematically <laughs> it's they, they incredibly it. accurate <laughs> because actual golf is exactly as repetitive. Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to argue that. I'm going to move on to 99. Board Game Arena is how we played that one. You just play cards and add them up. And if you go, if your card that you play goes over 99, you lose. Well, yeah, I liked it, it it's more It's using a than... deck of cards. The king sets the count to 99. So if you play a king, the other person can't play a card that adds to the number. What There's was the a couple... Joker? 
I don't remember. Or the Jack. The I don't. I think the Jack was just ten. They were. Oh, Jack and Queen were ten. They, Kings push it immediately to ninety nine. One there was a maybe Jackson and Queen subtracted ten, and no. tens added ten. There was there was two cards that subtracted. The ten subtracted subtracted ten, and then the nines you wouldn't add anything. Yeah, and then the fours had a power too. But in general, it's I just think the fours reverse the order, which in two people it doesn't it's matter. not a big deal, but it didn't add. The, yeah, the fours it don't add, add so. You're basically just and, you're oh, playing chicken. Aces, you can pick whether it's one or eleven. Or eleven, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but I thought that especially at two player, it was better than like I don't think a lot of people are still. You know what? What do I know about people? It's better than war, like the classic card game of war, where you're just playing out cards, see who wins it, and then you're trying to like eventually win the whole deck, which goes on forever. I felt like this had a war kind of feel because you are playing cards back and forth. Yeah. There's. You hold three cards in your three hand cards, at a time, yeah. so you don't. You're not able to really hold on to a lot of information, but you kind you can kind of happen to get certain cards. Try to set up a thing where you push it to 99, and then you either have a minus 10 to get you out of trouble, or maybe you have the uh, four to reverse it, or the nine to not have it go up. Like so, you can kind of keep putting the pressure. I know there was one time where it went up to 99, and we did nines back and forth a little bit until someone had to bust it. Because we both kind of had like these two cards in the back of our hand that we were saving. It's good enough to say if you're looking for it. If you've listened to this podcast a lot, this will be meaningful to you. Okay. There's enough. I listen to this podcast a lot. Well, I'm not talking to you. I'm, you already know. There's enough strategy in the game for Kelly to be upset with me for saying that it's a strategic game and not a luck game. Wait, what are we talking I, about? I suggested that there were some strategic elements that you could you could levy in the game, and you said no, there's not. It's just a kind of a silly luck game. And I said you could do this, this, and this, and then you were like, Ugh. okay. I felt like you were trying to say more about it than it is, and it is true that. There are cards that are more valuable. The versatility of the aces, the versatility of the tens going negative. Like you just know you can always, you know you can always play a 10. You know you can always play a four. So things like that. Oh, and if you play a king, when a king's been played, it just stays at 99. Yeah. Kings don't, yeah, kings don't. You can always play a king. So there are cards like that where no matter what the state of the game is, it's going to be safe to play. It won't lose you the game. I don't know that I would call that strategy. Well, I mean, it's. I feel like it's Uno level strategy. I don't think there's most a lot of people. Most people can Uno. like play Uno optimally after like an hour of understanding the game. Yeah, but there's still strategy. If you like, if you play it with a child, you're gonna beat them. Well, there's strategy, I suppose, in walking across a room. But I don't know. It's a thing that we're. There's also luck. You could fall. And the next game in the list. Okay. All right. Nine domains. Honestly. Barely remember this. I remember that it was sort of fun. I don't think I fully understood the rules. I think I won. Did I win? I don't remember the game. You'll have to explain. This was where there would be like three sets of three cards out on the table, the Uh virtual table on Board Game Arena. And you could see the two cards behind the top cards. They were all face up. Uh And we were playing like cards that were zero to five in different colors. And in playing those cards, like you play a card and I play a card, we both reveal at the same time for each one of these three. Mm -hmm. And Mm, we were trying to win the top card. And then it was like, who won the most top cards? I did like that you did three at once. And some of the powers of the cards, because they weren't just straight numbers, zeros beat fives. But then there'd be like these extra like asterisk cards and a minus two and a minus one card 
that would imbue powers onto the adjacent spaces. So that I felt like ended up, you still had to be, you had to get the luck of the right cards in the first place to be able to put something together. But then there was a little bit of strategy and like, oh, I see that the next card coming up is gonna be super powerful. So I'm going to play something in this round to give that slot more power. And then I'm gonna have this card back that will give it even more power. And it'll be really hard for me to lose this slot because I can just throw everything onto it. Yeah, I think that game, you, one, you played well, you beat me mm. oh, fairly. The resolution on those cards on TTS was not very good. I found myself oh, it was not, struggling I, to understand what things were doing. I think if I had a printed version of that game, I would like it a lot. I think it might be something that is being developed. I don't know if there is mm. at all a published copy of the Nine Domains. So the the art looks like each one of those cards is a Word doc. You know what I mean? Right, it's right. the basic set of design tools that would be available to you in there, just straight shapes with like a gradient maybe. So that is true. And then also, I think it was originally maybe in a different language. So if you saw the cards on there, yeah. they had text on them that wasn't in English. Now, it had explainer text on Board Game Arena. And I had a hard time accessing the explainer text. Oh, But okay. I, I do think it's a good game. You should check it out. Yeah, it's maybe. interesting. And for being on BGA, like, you know, yeah, you've got literally nothing to lose except for a few minutes of your life. Um, Nine Men's Morris which is a classic game. It's dated roughly the 1400s is what it yeah. said on BGA. I don't really remember it. It was, was it three squares? It was three, yeah, it three was a, concentric. Is that what it's called? When one's inside the other? Yeah, yeah. And I actually, I don't remember it either. We played a bunch of games uh -oh. around nine. This is the tough okay, one. Okay, so we were each putting out a stone until we right. ran out of stones. I remember yeah. that. Oh, and then you know what? Like no, I movement, remember it. I can explain. But you, you couldn't like jump over people so, and claim them. Yeah, imagine like Othello meets Go because it, I'm listening. But I'm it's not, not very good so at either. It, it, of it's us. really it's tic tac toe meets Go because there's this there you get a bonus the way if you, you capture three in a row. The way you capture your opponent's stones is by having three in a row. But and then you once you have three one. in a row, you can't move those until it's the only thing that you can no, do. You can. I thought you couldn't. I thought you. I could. thought you couldn't. I thought you couldn't separate a three in a row unless you only had threes in a row. I feel but like then, I yeah. did. At the end, but at any rate, that game is a game that you're always going to be better than me at. But you no, know, you're making a lot of bold statements for there being a point in that game where I think that I was losing. I think that I got I... lucky though, mm. and then you figured out how I got lucky, and then you exploited it against me, and I lost. Exploit handily. is a strong word. I would say it's a kind of compliment. I think, it's, I think it's true about that game that it once someone gets the upper hand in a in a key way, there's not necessarily any coming back because of your ability to manipulate those pieces. But I think I had the upper hand but and then you figured out a way to come back. I think that that is true, but I think that you also didn't fully understand what was happening given our uh, seconds ago conversation about what you could and could not move. Right. I think you you can't remove someone's stone that's part of a no, that's three. That's true. That's true. But I moved mine. So I, there was a point at which I was trying to like trap you in because I was like, oh, maybe I can do like this. And then I just realized that spatially, <laughs> when you bring the space with the rules together, that wasn't actually a thing. So I lost some pieces because I thought I could like uh, yeah. box you in so that you didn't have any valid moves. And I thought it went into a stalemate. And then what happened is you won. Yeah. And there's a thing like if you get, because it's, two-player game going back and forth it's a thing where if you get on the back foot the other person 
I had it set up so that I was switching between two different threes. So every move, every move, she was taking one of my stones. I away. could take a stone, and I had it every. And other. I was taking the stone away that was. It was taking him two turns to get his stone into the right place, and I could take a stone away every turn. Honestly, it felt like playing against the Duke and Koo. But if we were a little bit offset, we would have each been taking one away. And it just, like, that that was luck, that the timing for yeah. that ended up correct. Because if that hadn't happened at the turn it did, you would have got to take away one of my stones, and I wouldn't have been able to keep doing that. Yeah, but if, if you like tic-tac-toe, and you feel like it's too easy to beat children at tic-tac-toe, it, you should try. Of course try, it is. should try nine. you're an adult, and there's should, no reason you should be proud of that. You should try nine men's more. I'm not actually talking against, about anyone but person adults. in this room with me. Yeah. Nine, but it, it's a classic game. I'm surprised that we haven't... Played it. Played it. it like, it yeah. seems like it's so... You could absolutely get in the dirt with some stones, like, with oh, some yeah. coins on a piece of paper. Like, it's so easy to play. I think it's weird that it just... Just not culturally a thing that ever showed yeah. up. Yeah. I think it's much better than checkers. And then the last one... Oh, no, that is the three that we played on BGA. So, let's go to the app, because I know that the last game we're going to talk about is the one you liked the most by far. So, we're going to talk about Nine Tiles... We played it inside of the Oink Games app. So Oink Games makes a lot of these little small, they're bigger than a playing card box, but not very much, games. They've had a whole series of them. They tend to be like a little silly, usually a little more party kind of edge of games. This one, you have nine tiles. They have two different icons on them. And over, well, on each, there's an icon on each side, I should say, and there's maybe five-ish icons in total that are represented on these tiles you flip over a card that shows a three by three grid of these tiles and everyone is trying to take the tiles in front of them and flip them and move them until they match the grid and the difficulty there is i think every icon is on the tiles three times but you might have a display on this three by three grid that you're meant to match you have everything right, but you're like, wait a minute, I need one more blue star. Right, I don't like, have a blue star. And you flip it over and you're like, oh, but I need two pink stars. Where am I going to get the pink star? And then you're looking at the brown boxes. And before you know it, you flipped everything over and the other person tells you they've already yeah. done it and you have but seconds left. So the pattern might have two greens and two yellows, mm-hmm. but one of the yellows might be on the back of one of the greens. Yes. And so that's that one you can only use once and then you have to figure it out. Yes. And it does very much remind me of Shifting Stones, except this is real time. So what was nice about playing on the app is someone else gets it on their phone, you have it on your phone, you're both just manipulating the tiles on your screen, and super easy, really well done, didn't have any problems at all playing on that app. And the app is free, you can play uh, Deep Sea Adventure for free, and then you have to buy each of the other games, I think they're all $5, but I don't really know. It's nice for them to all be in one app, only one person has to buy them to play the extra games, so I just had to buy a copy and Aaron could then play my game as a trial is what it called it you can add in extra bot players as well so mini app review there's not a lot of board game publishers that i know about that are making an app like that i think it's less true to even it's less likely to even happen because of board game arena probably but it's very well done yeah and i think for that game specifically not all the oink games but for that game specifically i I wouldn't want to play that on a table but it was really fun on the app. Oh, on a table. And I could see... The timer element, the, the app controls for you. I think that that real-time stuff for it to be specifically developed in that app versus something like Board Game Arena as well, it might work a little better 
I enjoyed it. It was like, it's fun enough. It kind of has a, um, has like a spot it kind of oh, feel to it. But just a little more. It's a little more than that, but it's that same kind of just like, well, you know, it's just a bit of a frenzy. Stressful, not too stressful. Very fun. Very yeah. fun. Now, we have finally come to, I think, you know what? I wish I had, I planned it a little bit because you liked it the most, but having the bottom of the ninth, the bottom of the nine. Oh, I mean, it's great. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could take credit for We've come to the home stretch. Intentionally. It's a, you know it's what? It's a tie ball game. Did you, did I'm, you win four and I won four? I mean, I I'm going to take credit for doing it intentionally, even though I didn't. Yeah. That went to the bottom of so the So here we are at the bottom of the ninth, yeah. talking about the, the bottom, bottom of the, of the ninth. ninth. Yeah, I'm just going to take credit for that. Yeah, the bottom of the ninth. Mm-hmm. It is a delightfully themed baseball game. I, I know you loved it so much, and I think that I have passively, or what would you call it, tangentially, proximity, taken in a lot of baseball. I know more about baseball than I ever intended or wanted to. Yeah. And you don't need a deep knowledge or even a enjoyment of baseball at all to play this game. And I'd say like this game and appreciate this game for what it was. That said, I think you inherently, this is, I think to me, it speaks to how theme can be so important in games because you were like, the theme is perfect. Everything that's happening here makes total sense. And that is a lot of times what I'm looking to find in a game. And sometimes that's where I'm getting to go back to the conversation had at the top of the podcast. That's where I'm getting that extra information that I would like just in the rule book. Sometimes for me, that is coming through the theme because thematically it makes sense that you would go here before going there. And it makes sense that this is a really ineffective way to do that because it would go against the theme for that to be easy in the theme. That would be a hard thing to do. You'd go, you know, left, not right kind of thing. So I just want to write a love letter to the bottom of the ninth. I I bet they accept it. I mean, I'm going to do it right now. It'll be an audio. It'll be an audio letter. That's not a, that's a monologue. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I think it starts with, capturing the essence of the the hitter batter like dynamic in baseball like one of the i mean the biggest thing in baseball is the pitcher is directly opposed to the hitter and there's this give and take guessing what the pitcher's going to throw so a rivalry yeah. that embodies the competition so it starts with a game mechanic where you have to guess what the pitcher's going to throw and the pitcher has to throw a thing and then you gain an advantage if you've guessed correctly and the pitcher because gains the idea an advantage is that's kind of what's happening all the time anyway and when a batter can can accurately predict what a pitcher is throwing they, have an they can swing into where they believe it's going to be and that's how this all matches up and then the result of the pitches is controlled by a die so the pitcher has yeah. two die which can be a ball or a pitch on the corner so in the strike zone but painting the corner which is delightful or a strike yeah and then the hitters die i'm sorry it's 50 percent strike right and it, then well, it was it's two strikes. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying corner. the dice. The dice had three faces that were strike, two faces that was a ball, and one face that was the corner. One face corner, two strikes, three balls. Oh, it had three balls. Three balls. If the pitcher throws a pitch on the corner, the batter is like, which I mean, that's typically a heart. That's that's where the pitchers are trying to throw the pitch. The batter has a disadvantage oh, and can only. I didn't know that's where they're trying to throw the pitch. Because I don't watch a baseball. It's harder to hit, like... And I get, like, that makes sense now that you're saying it. Like, around the edges of the strike zone. That it's at the very edge of the strike zone because... Oh. So, if it's at the edge of the strike zone, the batter, in order to make contact with the ball, has to get an exact match on the die. Oh. 
Then if the pitcher throws a ball, if the batter then throws a higher number as if they overswing or they ch- they chase it and it's a strike. But if they rolled lower than the pitcher, meaning they had like a good eye, then it's a ball. So like even when the pitcher made a mistake, there was a mechanic to give a batter an advantage or a disadvantage. They had these adorable baseball cards. You didn't love the art. The feel of the game, even in the art, it seemed that we weren't talking about present day baseball. It felt all of the art, the setting, the graphic design felt like we were talking about like classic America's pastime, maybe the 50s, maybe earlier, sort of a setting. Do, well, you, do you feel that that I, seemed about right? I felt like it was trying to do the whole thing. And let me kind of – so when you get into oh. the individual – in terms of gameplay, the individual player powers – so the, the cards showed all eras of baseball. They showed all the eras of baseball. So you had oh. a speedy guy who gets on base easy. You had a power hitter. You had a utility man. You had a person with a good eye. So are you Your saying pitcher that, threw a spitball. I know, which is from the past. And you seem very excited. But you're saying that some of those things, not all of those things were present in the same era of baseball. I would say they're all present in most eras, but they're not all prevalent in certain eras. Like there's eras where it's dominated by power hitters or are dominated there, by yes. small ball. We're getting way deeper into baseball than I want to. Are you saying that there were some of those cards that you had, or maybe even I had, that were like, I know it's not called common era because that's different, but that are like present, more present. This kickstarts from a few years ago, but like post 2000 predominant baseball qualities, or do you feel like all of those qualities were present Pre-2000. Let's give that as a 20-ish year range. I I would say there wasn't a card that made me think this This is, this is which I would call, a lot of people in baseball might call that the StatCast era. Oh, StatCast, okay. That's the the common era. And StatCast is is like 2000, uh, like eight, but like before StatCast, there was another thing called just a division kind of there. Yeah, like in how baseball hyper stats focused. And so there wasn't like WRC plus on the on the baseball cards, but they're definitely sure. showing the profiles of hitters in the different spaces. But I do want to talk about the spitball because Wait, it was delightful. I, I'm sure it was. I don't feel like you answered my question. The answer is no. No. Not specifically. You, there wasn't specifically new stuff, but the new stuff right. wasn't underrepresented. Like it was a good balance. Oh gosh. I'm really just not going to get an answer to this question. Timeless. It was timeless. Uh, I felt like it represented the, baseball across time, not from the olden times. There were specific things in it. That are, like, very much not, like, 1950s baseball. Correct. Okay. The style of it, what I'm seeing graphically, was that. So to get back to the art point where we started at, before we had to have a conversation about actual baseball, the art looked dated to me, but from dated from a different period. And I would have liked to see the art style look like a little more Norman Rockwell, or maybe even that the... Were old baseball cards black and white? Were they always color? No, they're black and white baseball cards. So maybe something like that, or there was something to me about the style of the art. On the back, no. But on the front, there was like a little line drawing kind of thing on the back. And I thought those were about right. But the front just kind of didn't seem quite right. But it's a really well-produced game overall. Like, the pieces and components are all very nice. I am nitpicking because everything's so nice. And my ode to the spitball, finally. Yes, I've been waiting. The spitball gets outlawed in the 1930s. There's a fun fact on the pitcher who throws the spitball. And then, as a part of the mechanic of that person throwing the spitball, 
if they roll poorly or if they get detected, they get ejected from the game and you have to use your backup pitcher. It's like, and that's not like, that's the one we've chosen today. There are like 10 little nuggets like that where the theming and the odds of the game just really support like what it's like to play baseball. I felt like I was playing baseball. I was rolling dice. It was a little bit, and there's some other baseball-like games that we should probably play and do one of these about baseball because you like it so much. There's a sense about that game that reminds me of the USPS game. Oh. In that, like, we're kind of, there's like an Americana about it. There's a little nostalgia about it. We're talking about some factual things. I knew nothing about spitballs, and now I know something about them. And I think that another good thing about the spitball card is when you're playing this, the idea is that the pitcher, of course, is trying to get the all of the batters out to end the inning. The batters are trying to score a run. Like, that's those are the win and loss conditions. The spitball was interesting because one of the things the pitcher has to do is as they're deciding how they're going to throw this pitch, any combination... Higher, higher low, away higher or inside. Higher, low, away or inside. Yeah. Any combination of that, well, if it matches your, like, superstar pitch, it brings your fatigue down on your arm. So your arm gets more and more tired. The spitball one, the fact said that even after... Well, maybe the fact didn't say this. Maybe you told me this. That people who were already throwing it were allowed to keep throwing it, yeah. but they outlawed yeah, when it. The, when the rule, it the when the rule came in place, the people who were known to throw spitballs were grandfathered in. And what I thought was interesting, not on the cards, but was true in the mechanisms of the game, was that that pitcher, even once they were fatigued, they were still allowed to throw it. Right. Which actually has kind of a, a double thing, too, because if you're throwing a spitball, you don't have to be at full gas because the spit's going to make the ball move a little bit more. So even if you're tired, you still might be effective. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're saying it's coming from the mechanism of how you throw it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pulling in from the history of people still just got to throw it when it, you shouldn't have been able to. Now, if you want me to give some notes to the game, the sure. fun fact on the spitball card was, in fact, that spitballs were outlawed, and then the mechanics kind of worked in the ejection and all that stuff. The fun facts on some of the cards were... So not good. Casey steps up to the... And it's not Casey at the yeah, back. Yeah, and they like, weren't... None of them were real baseball players, I'm guessing, for liability reasons. Or licensing reasons. Well, that's what I mean. Licensing liability or uh, legal reasons. Did you feel like the they were referencing more or less actual players? No. They were referencing more like a broad. They were archetype. referencing tropes of players or or okay. archetypes of archetypes. Yeah. And the they right had word. men and women, yeah, in which there was cool. as well, which was like neat because again, and they had like it's fictional little kids. Like there, there was, was like, one that was like a little kid, yeah, which was kind of weird. But and I, I wonder if that was a Kickstarter thing, like somebody paid, paid for their to, kid. Yeah, that was a level to have your kid in it. I don't know. But I think the opportunity they missed is you talked about like was it representing an era of baseball? They yeah. could have used the fun facts to highlight the dead ball era when there would have been more small ball or the launch era angle where there would have been more bombers. And they could have like given some interesting facts like that around the archetype of the home run hitter or the archetype of the base stealer or the archetype of the person with the good eye. Now, it seemed like you had some cards when you get into the powers. It seems like it does do a little of that. Also, when I went to put this into our collection on Board Game Arena, I was using BG Stats app and I put in bottom of the ninth and the search returned so many expansions so many expansions oh because they could just give you different player cards because i think they had all these different player cards so then i think it's a little and i don't know if it's anything like i don't know if they're still making new things for this i don't know how special and limited edition those were since it was kickstarter like 
Maybe those were all just like Kickstarter promos and different things you could pick. I don't know. But there is a lot of space because the core of the game is like, it's just kind of throw all these dice. But because you can have all these characters, you can kind of add these different powers. Now, not being a baseball fan, all of that was less than enthralling for me. And I also didn't really have any thought about the pitching or trying to determine what the batter thought the pitcher was going to do. And then as the pitcher, what I was going to do. So I was just randomly flipping them and revealing them. Right. Aaron was still getting the same thing that I was getting. He was intentionally doing something, I think, maybe. He was still getting it so often. Even though I ended up winning, I won when there were three runners on base. And it was pretty close to like... Well, I mean, here's the thing. It was... The the perfect drama of the game. It was the oh. bottom of the ninth. There three were, runners on and no outs. There were well, yeah, but then but then the game actually ended. Three runners on, two outs. I hit a ball in play. I'm rushing to first base. Kelly throws the five. I'm out, and now Kelly has effectively hit it out of the park. Hit it out of the park. No, I was pitching. You know what? I did a bad job. Oh, okay. When it was three runners on and no outs, I was kind of like, and I had I felt like this was the thing. I didn't feel like I had control over what was happening in that game at all. I mean, spitballers are known to not have good control. Even once I switched pitchers. Like, I just didn't feel like I had any control over what was happening. And then I didn't feel like I had an ability to, like, affect the game. And maybe and the, the way the fatigue thing worked, I felt like it was really just coming down to, well, as soon as he hits a run, I'm going to have to roll so fast and, and you did. so well. And I got, I got lucky because I never did more than two rolls. But, like, I was ready to completely flow state, roll that dice. And I couldn't, I can't remember the thing I was supposed to yell. And it should be obvious that I should yell out. But I would just go, blah! Like, I would just make a noise yeah. as soon as I got it. I only, I reached base, I was walked twice. And I reached base on an automatic hit. Because I had a, a guy that was really so good at hitting, he didn't have to roll to get on base. In general, you make contact. Both the pitcher and the batter just start rolling. And it's a, yeah. sing, it's a single, uh... The, if the batter rolls a five or a six first, it's a out if the pitcher rolls a five or a six first. Yeah, so it's supposed to be like the pitcher's running and then the – or no, sorry. It's like the batter's running and then the pitcher's team, the I fielders, are trying to get the ball. I did like, not reach base this way. Kelly was No, but you still had three successful. people on base. Yeah. So it felt like my pitchers were horrible and my fielders were just amazing, yeah. doing a lot of good work. But, you know, that's just but one – But maybe – are you saying that like – Pitchers that throw a whole bunch of no, that can't be good. That you no, throw think, a whole bunch of balls and then played, when uh, you hit it, it's in the park. That's not like good, is it? No, I think we played a no. high variance game and we got to see just parts of it. Okay, and we had a great time. Sh sure, we had a great so, time. Nine for nine, ninety nine, nine, nine on the nines. Uh, okay, would you do it again? I, I thought about like other numbers that that could occur for. Would I do it again? I, I don't I don't know I don't know that I have much to say to that. I think I'll say that after playing all the nine games, even though there were some interesting ones, I think that Gravwell I mean the crew is great, but I like Mission Deep Sea better. So I feel like of these nines, uh, the Gravwell is still the best nine. And of the digital implementation, the Oint Games nine tiles. It's very simple and straightforward, but it's very well done. I mean, I, I agree with both of these assessments, and I think it's going to be super fun to try again at 198. 100, how are we doing at 198? Well, it's 99 plus 99. Oh, no.
Thank you so much for listening to episode 99. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. There were probably a lot of other 99 references that we could have done in this episode. We don't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I bet that would have been pretty fun. Who knows? Maybe episode 198, as Aaron said, which is 99 plus 99. We'll get into all that. The next episode will be our 100th episode, and we'll be talking about every game in the Century series. Technically Century Gollum edition, but they're really all the same. We recorded it a while back, but sometimes things just work out. If you're listening to these in reverse, you have 98 more episodes headed your way. The next one being Adam and Aaron talking about playing Twilight Imperium 4th edition. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.